Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Mancone. This is going to be another long one today. We've got a live interview for you from the morning show with Terry Engel. And we're going to be having ourselves a little tea party with the guy behind the Tea Syndicate. The Tea Syndicate is a group that's been working to bring Taiwan's traditional tea culture, or gongfu cha, to new audiences, all the way from the expat community in Taiwan to the, you know, urban kind of hip scene in Austin, Texas. We're going to be learning uh, a little bit about that culture and also what it takes to spread it. We did this live on air on the morning show of March 9th, 2016. So we bring you back there right now to 10 a.m. on the morning show. Here's Terry. I see our CFM 100. That is the Alabama Shakes. And uh, new from them, or at least the latest single from them, Give Me All Your Love. Nine minutes past ten. Time for us now to uh, jump into our uh, Wednesday extended interview. Uh, each and every week here on uh, on Wednesday at 10 a.m., we uh, we delve a little deeper. We have a little bit more time to delve into a subject and uh, the person behind the subject here. Keith, what do we got this week? Well, a uh, bit of a confession before we get into this. I'm a bit of a coffee drinker. Okay. So I'm going to be about a little bit of a fish out of water in this particular subject because today we're talking about tea drinking. Okay, tea. And the proper way to drink tea. Okay. And this this will be expanding for me because I never do this sort of thing properly. Okay. And we have a guy in studio today who has been putting a lot of work into learning, A, how to do it properly himself, and B, uh, bringing that experience and that culture in Taiwan uh, to some people in the foreign community so they can enjoy it as well. Okay. This guy is uh, right with us right now, Nathan Davis. Nathan, thanks for being here. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so tea and tea culture here uh, is what we're up against today, and we'll we'll get into the the ins and outs and and that. But maybe you can tell us uh, a little bit about how you got involved and, and and where your interest grew from. Maybe we'll start there. So I came to Taipei originally in um, 2006. I had a government scholarship to study Mandarin, and um, went on a date to Malkong my girlfriend at the time and they brought me the teaware and um tried it for the first time and was just blown away that tea could be so good mm-hmm. all good and, taiwan uh, stories start with a date i'm pretty yeah. sure <laughs> to malcolm um yeah so uh yeah and then i just spent the last 10 years like digging deeper into the culture right yeah. right and your interest grew uh out of that um okay uh you, you talked a little bit about the states as well and uh the fact that the tea culture is kind of growing there maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening there in the States right now, because obviously tea as a tradition and culture has been in this area for thousands of years, right. um, whereas obviously Chinese tea in the States is maybe a, a little bit of a new thing, or or at least there's a new type of movement uh, that you were telling us about. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's there's an emergence of this, like, uh, what we're referring to as gongfu tea culture, you know, this traditional tea in a, in a modern context and the Chinese kind of traditional style. And uh, I think, it, I feel like it's exploding at the moment, even though it's, you know, it's not huge, but a lot of people are getting into it. And I think it has a lot to do with people slowing down their lives and becoming more conscious about what they're consuming and what they're buying. And, uh, you know, doing yoga or tai chi or going to acupuncturists and, uh, 
maybe not drinking as much coffee or, you know, <laughs> later in the day drinking tea. I know a lot of people who drink coffee and then later in the day drink tea. But also the ceremony, I think, and the, and the ritual of it, the process of brewing tea is very captivating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's on the rise. And a lot of, um, a lot of businesses have um, spaces. I, I think I heard that Google has a tea lounge now. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, co-working spaces. Well, if Google's and, uh, doing it, then, then uh, <laughs> better get on board. I'm sold. <laughs> better get on board. And you're and you're kind of bringing this uh, to the expat community here. I know that there's a, a couple of uh, expats that are are, are are doing this, bringing the ritual of tea and the the culture of tea to the expats that live here. Because obviously, um, as expats here, Keith and myself, Keith even uh, sort of admittedly said he's he's not familiar with tea or the culture here. There's a lot of us. Uh, that come here as visitors uh, initially and don't really understand how important tea is to the culture here. And right. that's kind of what you're bringing to the expat community. Yeah, and so I, I guess I, would, I wouldn't I would say that I've offered much to the expat community here, but there are those that have, like T. Andy, who you mentioned earlier, yep. who has Eco Cha. Um, and there's uh, a guy named Emilio that has a company called The Jade Leaf that uh, – that makes ceramics here and also exports uh, his ceramics and tea uh, and different teas that he selects. Mm-hmm. And so there are different uh, expats that are here doing that. But I find that actually the expats that are here doing it are a little bit more solitary in their endeavors. Mm-hmm. And I think largely my assumption is, and thinking about it in the moment, is that back home it's novel. And so if somebody's doing it, they're your only access. Right. And especially to the product because it's a product and when people get hooked on it, they need to buy more. So if you're facilitating those exchanges, then there, a community evolves around that. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Taiwan, you can get tea everywhere. You can go Just to walk down the house. street. Yeah, and so I think there are there are some foreigners here in the expat community. They've been here for a long time and really know tea, but there aren't any hubs to speak of. I think so. It's mm-hmm. kind of you know you have to track them down. Like Andy lives kind of off in the mountains at the moment. I think. <laughs> yeah, right. So a mountain tea. I've man. been trying to connect with him in the past few months since I've been back as well, and we've had that intention but you know it's i've got to go off the beaten path to connect with him so i think as far as expats doing it um there isn't a place where where expats are doing it together yeah right yeah well we got it right here so yeah, we, we got are. a little setup we're, we're here today we're, yeah. we're set up today and this is this is the focus of of uh, what we're getting at uh here today in a moment we're going to go through the the tea process but the the reason why we're kind of doing it the reason why we're here and the reason why uh keith and i in discussing this wanted to uh have you on was because this is this is really kind of um a process that at least as expats here and even myself after uh, being here for 17 years, I'm still kind of mystified by the, the the process of the tea ceremony. I have countless numbers number of times sat in tea shops with <laughs> with uh, you know uh, uh, with the old boys drinking right. tea or or with my neighbors or or you know uh, my extended family or or whatever the case is. I've hundreds of times sat and drank tea, and there's always been you know one person at the helm sort of going through the tea ceremony and it's always kind of mystified me why is he dumping water here what is this doing how right. did you know and and there's always kind of talk of uh something bringing out the flavors and whatnot and I, I mean i'm just i'm that ignorant that i just have no idea what i'm what i'm looking at what i'm listening for what i'm trying to taste so hopefully that's what we're we're going to kind of get at today you're going to be able to uh, walk us a little bit through the tea ceremony yeah for sure and i think it, it can seem daunting in that sense like people don't know where to start and I, I think yeah. 
yeah, it's uh, I can talk a little bit about what I know to be the process of brewing tea and uh, make it a little bit more accessible, perhaps. Okay, good. Well, yeah. that's exactly why we're here. And before we get into uh, the actual training and ceremony itself, uh, could you talk? I mean, you you said that you this is something that you've been looking into for the last ten years. Can you talk a little bit about that process of learning? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. before we got you on air, you, you were even saying that you've done some research into this. So, what what, what does that entail exactly? Um, yeah, so largely it's been a personal process. And then as, you know, in, in Taiwan, I'm another guy who drinks tea. And, you know, there are plenty of foreigners who drink it and have their own relationship with it. But I was saying is going back home, the more that I've kind of gone back home over the years and started to share this with people, it it, it, in, uh, it, it necessitates an explanation as well as I'm making the tea. So I've done, um, you know, a lot of presenting tea, which has made me in turn have to think a lot more about what I'm sharing. Um, and my personal relationship with tea is, is rooted in Taiwan. And one thing that I've also learned is that Taiwan, uh, has, has its own very specific tea culture. The process is, is Chinese, but, and the teas are, you know, Chinese in, in origin, but Taiwanese oolongs, which is mostly what they produce in Taiwan, um, are very unique to this area. Mm. And, um, so I have a friend in, in the States that, that's been importing Chinese teas and they're, they're much more different kinds because it's so vast. Um, But even through learning about the diversity of all the different kinds that come from China, white tea, black tea, red tea, even like obscure things like yellow tea and purple tea, um, and learning about the diversity of them and then coming back to Taiwan over the years has made me realize how much there is in this microcosm. And so Mm, there's there's a lot going on just here in Taiwan. And And, and very specific to Taiwan. Yeah, and very specific. And And I find that it's quite regional. So for what I understand, you know, like people in in China don't, they kind of drink the teas that are mostly in their area. Whereas in Taiwan too, like most everybody here, if they're a, if they're a proper tea drinker and they're using this, you know, this traditional style, they're, you know, using a, um, you know, the Gong Fu process or they're doing as an art are mostly drinking Taiwanese teas. Right. Um, I guess it's just because it's it's here and it's accessible. Let me ask you this, just to, to follow up on that. Then, is there uh, something specific to Taiwan? We don't have to get in maybe to yeah. all the aspects of what it is. This specific, but is it a specific culture here in Taiwan as well as opposed to uh, you know a Japanese tea culture, right. Chinese tea culture, this sort of thing? Right. And I, I personally, I can definitely speak more to the leaves than the culture but i have started to learn there is this there is this resurgence of tea culture or the tea arts chai i believe um is the way that it would be referred to and in taiwan where people have a certain process and a certain aesthetic and um one thing that's unique so like the the gong fu method of doing it like this uh you know with a teapot or a, or a guy one that i have here today um, in China, a lot of times you'll have a chapan, a tea plate, mm-hmm. where the water is overflowing. And that you see that in Taiwan, too. But with this uh, kind of this new culture that's coming up with a lot of these tea art teachers, um, from what I very vaguely understand, is that there's um, kind of a new way to do that. And one of it's a dry, pa- a dry a gampao, like a dry brewing method, mm-hmm. where you don't let it overflow. And... If I understand it correctly, from what I've gathered in my research this time, and like just hanging out with with different tea shop owners, uh, mostly on Yongkong Street in that mm-hmm. area, there's uh, a lot of tea shops and a lot of uh, people who are into the tea arts. That that um, I think that doing the dry pow method represents an element of control, mm-hmm. like you're not letting it overflow. Right, you're right, being right, very right. precise, and it's not dripping. Whereas I think 
in the in the method where you use the the chop on the you know the T plate, it's it's about overflowing, right? And just right. letting go and not. Yeah, I've seen that tons of times. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? All that T is going <laughs> yeah. down the drain. It's like, yeah, it's just flowing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so this that that definitely has an effect on the way that you interact with the tea. Right. So it almost reflects your personality to some extent, how you perform the ceremony? I think so, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you're not an overflowing tea kind of guy, no, no. Terry. Well, you're not I, an overflower. I'm not, I don't imagine <laughs> that I would be, no. A control uh, freak tea kind of guy. No, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break right here, and when we come back, we're going to jump right into the tea process, and we're going to kind of... Ha- make tea right before our very ears here and uh, have you kind of go through the process uh, to at least help me and and Keith anyway kind of demystify what you know what we're doing here what we watch when we see people uh, making tea or as you say the the chai the the tea arts so uh, hang on a second we'll be back we've got uh, Nathan Davis here he's joining us today on our extended interview it's the morning show with Terry on ICRT We're ICRT. World-class radio in Taiwan. ICRT FM 100. We return to the morning show here with Terry. And uh, we've got Nathan Davis, uh, tea maker of sorts, going to help us kind of demystify the process of uh, making tea here. We've got the tea... uh, 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 in the background. Uh, you can hear that brewing right now. Yeah, brewing as we speak, or at least the water's or boiling. boiling now, right. we're going to set up uh, a little bit of music here just to kind of go along with this. You talked to us, um, maybe it was before we got on air, just about um, how back in the States and Gong Fu Cha kind of uh, becoming a thing, uh, and people are integrating other sort of arts with this, one of which being music or soundscapes that's kind of going along with this, something that's maybe not part of the tea culture here in Taipei yet. Now, um, so we're going to get to some of this music here, but this is the music for, with, with Alex that we've talked about. Is this uh, is this all we're talking about? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the music instead of me trying to guess. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, back home, the you know, we've kind of co-opted cafe environments or like, you know, more like cafe-oriented or like uh, yoga studios, and a lot of tea lounges are popping up at places like Burning Man or these kind of festivals. And so in those environments, um, you know, you're definitely holding space for this process. So it lends itself to hearing sounds of the East, you know, mm-hmm. hearing monks chanting or gongs or, you know, Chinese violin, erhu and gujan and things like that. And um, so I've spent, you know, a long time, as I've been getting into the tea, also I'm kind of imagining what the soundscape for this kind of a like an urban tea house sounds like and have been weaving together these mixtapes or kind of tea DJ sets of sorts for this this environment. So sampling from different uh, traditional music and uh, and uh, mixing it with downbeat electronica. Now tell me a little bit about the uh, field recordings as well. Again, before we get to the to the tea process, but some of the field recordings uh, done uh, in China that, that you were telling me about. Yeah, so... Um, the, I mentioned the more TEP that we're releasing soon with uh, Ill Gates. It's going on, or being released on Moody Music in uh, April. And for that track, we used some samples from this massive archive that I acquired from a Taiwanese producer friend. Um, I can't think of his Chinese name offhand, but his, in English he goes by Alex Pung. Mm-hmm. And I met him when I was living in Taichung, and uh, we connected through T actually. And I had mentioned that I that I wanted to do some studio sessions with with traditional musicians, and he had this archive that he had recorded over twenty or thirty years ago in China, 
of traditional music that he gave me to remix. And it includes studio sessions of both folk and classically trained musicians. Mm -hmm. But he also went out with a dat and did field recordings of like Miaoju and Iju, these wow. kind of aboriginal peoples that may not even be there anymore. So, um, yeah, so I've got this sound library, and it, okay. it had just sat there for a while until I could figure out what to do with it. Excellent. And so we took that and, and kind of chopped it up a little bit and, and made some remixes of it. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, so tell us what we're going to be listening to right here just as we uh, as we make tea. We're, we so, imagine ourselves in a urban tea house right now, as, as you kind of describe these it. These are some of the uh, mixtapes that I've made and posted on SoundCloud under Syndicated Tea. It's one of the... Uh, yeah, one of the mixtapes that I made. Okay. All right. Well, we'll kind of... And is that going to be featuring background. some of those traditional um, instruments that you were talking about? This one doesn't, but we can play another one of those tracks in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, here we go. It's uh, tea time. Time to demystify this thing. Here we go. Uh, now, right. what we're going to ask for you to do is kind of walk us through every bit of, of the process here. All right. So now I'm just kind of rinsing out the... Uh, the vessels so we have a gaiwan today and the reason that i brought a gaiwan instead of a teapot is just because it's much easier to use it's kind of the pre the predecessor to a teapot the guy literally gaiwan the lidded lidded bowl and um so first i'm rinsing as i rinse it out i'm pouring the tea from the gaiwan into the decanting vessel which they call either a cha hai or a gong dao bei and the reason you use that is because if you didn't use it, then when you pour it into the cups, people are getting a different uh, a different level of infusion. So if mm -hmm. I poured yours first and mine last, then I'd be getting a stronger brew. And uh, so I've got these, this tea that I've got here today comes from Chuanmenzi, uh, which is uh, in English, they call it, it's called Stop By Cafe on Yongkang. And I've gotten to know... Uh, Mr. Shun, the owner, the proprietor, pretty well. Actually, these are on loan from him today as well. Okay. I swear. Um, and the tea that we're drinking is called, it's uh, it's just a Dong Ding, kind of very traditional, very typical oolong. And this one's called Gui Fei. And um, it's uh, pretty characteristic of just a basic low elevation tea. So it's not high mountain, nothing fancy, just kind of everyday tea. You can give that a smell. Okay, so uh, yeah, so just so you you've just put the tea into this to the bowl, the guy one. You poured some hot water on it, and then you immediately poured that hot water out. Yeah. So is that decanting? After, okay. So is that decanting water? Are we going to be drinking that, or is that just to kind of get the teas wet a little bit? It's just a rinse, and um, that first rinse, especially with something like oolong, since these are you know they can't see them at home, but they're rolled up into these little small balls. So, uh, you know, oolong goes through this process of roasting and rolling to where it locks the flavor down really tight in there. And so one of the reasons to rinse is just to, like, help wake up the leaves and open them up. Um, I guess one thing that you will hear a lot for a lot of people is that it's to, to rinse off any pesticides that might be there. But I'd like to I'd like to hope and think that the teas that I get are good quality and well sourced and don't have that anyway right now you just you just gave us the little bowl to to, to smell the tea is there anything that we should be smelling, smelling for <laughs> yeah so uh, there i think just kind of you know whatever whatever you pick out of that and i i tend to 
reserve comments and more kind of listen to what other people are saying okay. about tea. You know, and a lot of times people will kind of say fruity, right? Like grapes and like look at you with like wanting confirmation. And I'm yeah. like, if you smell grapes, mm. that's what you get. But there are definitely things that you do smell. Like I have a tea guanying here as well, which is tea is, is iron. Yeah. You know, tea guanying iron goddess of mercy. And, and it definitely does smell iron roasted. I mean, that's, that's, that's you know, the, one of the major characteristics. So there are certain things about teas that you're going to, that, you know, pretty much everyone mm-hmm. is going to get. People in Taiwan also drink a lot of pu'er, which is, uh, you know, an aged uh, tea from China. And um, that, um, you know, people, if they like it, you know, we usually say something like earthy. And if they don't like it, maybe they'll say dirt. But they're going for the same kind of, they, right. they're catching the same flavors. Right. It just doesn't set with them the same way. So just very quickly, all you've done is you've rinsed the tea. You kind of got rid of that water. Right. And then you, you went ahead and you, you, you poured more water in. And then poured it out. I mean, uh, it was interesting because the first time when you rinsed the tea, you you poured it into the little cups, right. the serving cups, and then you poured it out again of the right. serving cups. So was that to heat up the serving cups, or what's the idea there? Yeah. So kind of um, as I was mentioning before, um, you know, this whole the the process of it kind of originates from the necessity of of brewing the tea well and serving it well. So with this, you know, it's it's served hot, and and with these small cups, it cools down rather quickly. So, um, you know, pouring it in, pouring that initial rinse into the cup also kind of heats them up, rinses them. You know, a lot of times you don't, you know, wash these cups with soap and water. They just they get sterilized because mm. you're repeatedly rinsing them with with really hot water. So that's ah, part of it as well. You know, I it's see. Kind of this process of continuing to let the tea flow, waking up the cup, waking up the leaves, warming up the cups. Mm. Now, is that that's a that's a nice tea? Uh, is that also part of the part of the process which is you said not washing the cups and whatnot do they eventually take on the taste of of all these teas is that the uh, i notice a, a note a of thing? concern in your voice yeah. no no that's no, no, a, no that's it's a, a really good question Terry. No, no, yeah. it's actually i'm actually just wondering you know thus giving every tea set if you will a, right. a different taste because mm. of the, the history and, and not being washed and the the you know whatever tea or flavors the ceramic has has uh, absorbed no I, ironically that's a really great question so with this, <laughs> ironically because most of your other questions yeah, yeah, we're pretty <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> yeah. you got a good one there Terry yeah. uh, gotta give it to you um, I mean I just like that you would get to that from this kind of a like we're sitting here and you're and that that question would just come to you because um, these are all the, the irony is that these are all glazed, right. and they're not going to take on mm. the flavor, really, because right. of that glaze. But if you had a, an earthenware vessel, mm. then it would take on those things. And so, um, you know, a really, like, to, to really make oolong well, um, you would want an ishing pot or some sort of a an earthenware pot, which you've seen the little clay pots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the good ones uh, in Taiwan are come from from Yixing, like uh, more than 20 or 30 years ago before they ran out of this the particular type of clay that they use. But those type of teapots are porous, and they they do take on the characteristics of the tea that you brew in them. And so, um, someone who is truly into tea and has a good Yixing or Chaozhou, one of these earthenware pots, will only brew a certain type of tea. And the and the more diverse they are, and the more committed they are in their tea journey. They'll have pots that are specifically for specific teas and um 
they take on the taking on the flavor of those teas is called yang. Um, not sure which tone, but like it's like uh, it's the same as seasoning, like to season a wok or to season okay. a skillet. So you know if you have you know if grandma passed down her skillet to you, and and it's in good shape, and then you screw it up later because you washed it with soap or something like that, and then that that affects the flavor of the food that you cook in it because you know that grease, that bacon grease that she's been using for years, or you know whatever you're cooking in that that skillet definitely affects the way that your food turns out, and so teapots definitely as well. They kind of absorb that flavor characteristic of the tea that you're brewing. So if it's a really dark tea, then you're going to want to keep using dark teas in that teapot. Or if it's a really nice green uh, Qing High Mountain Oolong, you're going to want to stay in that direction because you'll you'll taste it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Well, let's uh, let's get another cup of the tea here that you're. I like uh, that first one. Does, does, is is this one? Should we expect a stronger? Uh, will it have steeped longer at this point? Or yeah, so it gets uh, it gets stronger as it goes along and, and oolongs go pretty far so um you know this is like the third i did the second and third steepings together and um it'll go you know the next steeping will be about this the next two will be about this strength so like fourth and fifth and then after that it'll kind of get cashed mm. maybe six brews weaken out it so about six brews for from a, a pot of tea leaves okay now, is there something that we should be thinking about as we're tasting this? Like, should I be sniffing it like it's a thing of wine or something like that? Or so I guess the uh, one uh, one school of thought is that you that there's three short sips, so just. Oh, I already, I, I already I did, finished I it. I could have you through it, but I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, My college days are showing well through right now. On the arts, but you know, for me, it's like I, I enjoy good tea, and and then I know how to brew it decently, and. But um, yeah, I guess the proper way, the more refined mm-hmm. way to do it is three sips. Three sips, okay. And then now that your cup is dry, after it kind of dries out, mm-hmm. you know, you can give it a little bit of a shake if you want to help it kind of air out. Oh, okay. It's got a fragrance in there, and they call now, that the lungshang, the cold fragrance. Right. Now, I'm just, just smelling my cup after it's gone. Just get your nose in it, there. It, 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 now, for me, I don't know about you guys, but... It kind of has like this, like a pipe smell, like almost a yeah. tobacco, t- tobacco-y pipe smell. I, I got a little bit of that. You yeah. guys got that? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Sweet tobacco. A little bit of that. Yeah. Interesting. I was looking for you on confirmation of that. Yeah. It's, uh, pipe, pipe, Tea pipe approval. Smell. <laughs> Anyone else get Interesting. Oh uh, no! Was there a joke there? We, met, we we're not good with tea jokes. If you, <laughs> yeah, we, we we don't understand tea humor. Like we're we're barely at the point of being able to drink it uh, without to, uh, spilling it on ourselves. We need but. to call my buddy Sohan in Austin, who's kind of a tea guru, rock star guy. There, um, he's got the tea puns. He's got the tea puns. Oh man! Yeah. And I couldn't even I couldn't even explain okay. what a tea pun was. <laughs> okay. But right. I don't know. But they but they exist. I just don't have them. Let, let me ask you this, just as we kind of go through this and 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 uh, we're we're digging the groovy tunes in the background and all this. What do all of like the old tea cats from around Taipei, the guys that have had their shops for 20, 30, 40 years in their, you know, very traditional tea making and very knowledgeable. What do they think about, for example, you as an expat coming into their shop and kind of not turning the culture upside down, but 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 infusing a, a new breath of fresh air into it with with music or 
uh, when you tell them about, you know, you've made a DJ mix, you know, for for a tea house and what? What's what's the reaction from the old culture to this? Uh, maybe maybe newer modern cross cultural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the reaction? I'd have to, like the first thought that came to mind is like, how what are people's reactions to me as a foreigner as I've gone in over the years? And I can say that like. Uh, you know, in that Taiwan is is always been very open and inviting for me. With tea culture, it's the same. Like uh, tea shop owners are always very open to share, and um, you know, aren't critical of like, hey, are you a real tea drinker? You know, they'll they'll just start somewhere very obvious if you don't know tea. You know, when I first started drinking tea, I didn't know what a guifei or che guanying or it was all oolong. And as I first started drinking tea, you know, is you know, and walking into a shop, they were always open with sharing it. And they might not share like their greatest, you know, their their reserve tea, but they would start brewing something very simple as a way to introduce me to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the expectation is that, you know, if you like it, you're going to buy some later. And 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 I did, and I built those relationships, and it's always been really open, um, and it continues to be. Like in Yongkong right now, there's a resurgence. There's something more than like 50 tea shops in that area now around Yongkong, and a lot of them are newer and trying to do tea in a very new and accessible way. And I find all those spaces to be really open and inviting to coming in and participating with what they're sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that either on the music side with like DJ friends or on the tea side with with tea friends trying to talk about what I'm doing that's blending the two doesn't make sense to either one. So I, either I really right. don't. Okay. I don't talk about it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Because it kind of when I do. It ends up seeming like I'm trying to project it onto this culture, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to necessarily create something in Taiwan. Right. I'm just kind of creating something, and, and it and it doesn't quite make sense yet in Taiwan. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Something that makes sense to yeah. you. Well, it's setting a nice vibe here. I'm I'm digging this. Tell tell us maybe just uh, uh, very quickly here then about what modern tea culture means as we're kind of going through traditional tea culture. What does modern tea culture mean in Taiwan, or at least as far as you have? Uh, experienced it i think so i think in taiwan they do traditional really well right okay I but see. new ideas in taiwan i have to say that like a lot of times the execution is is lacks direction so a lot of the places that i've seen if they're doing tea in a way that makes sense like it's a chahang it's a tea shop and you walk in and you're like this is a tea shop what tea do they have? It, if they can be presenting it in a new way, aesthetically or whatever, but as long as the model is that business model that people are used to, it works. Also, if it's a tea shop, if it's a cha guan, and people go in and they know you walk in and this is a tea this is a tea house, and I'm going to come in with my friends and we're going to drink tea, it works. But some hybrid models like Chanmenzi, um, where I got this tea, the the owner, Mr. Shun, is uh, is kind of a well-known interior designer, and and he's been working with people on. Um, you know, tea house design, I think, of late, and, and he really just enjoys tea. And so his shop is a is a hybrid. And you walk in, and and the shop is like part tea shop, part tea house space, and then downstairs there's a little events venue. And he's been there for two years, and you know, I've kind of asked him about how he's done, and it seems like the first year did our ride, and the second year, the business is kind of you know doing okay. But I think. Um, Back, like back home, I do quite a bit of work with like small pop-up shops and restaurants and things like that in the food industry and service industry. And I've realized that when people walk in as a customer, if it clicks right away, there's an immediate um, there's an immediate uh, connection with like the product or the service, and there's 
not a strong barrier to, to interacting with that. Whereas when you walk into this space where the idea of combining these three different things is awesome, but in the execution, it, if, as a customer, you walk into the space and you're like, is it a tea shop? Is it a tea Or house? is it something else? Or is it yeah, something yeah, right. else? And then that, just that pause can be enough for people to go uh, yeah, to and be a little walk out too, to uh, unsettling. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, we got to take ourselves another break here as we uh, enjoy some tea over the break. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. You're listening to The Morning Show with Terry right here on ICRT. They have a crazy group. They play music. I like their interviews. They're up to date on entertainment. If you're looking for a place where the music is actually melodic, the information is up to the minute and English is the order of the day, then look no further than FM 100 ICRT. We return to the morning show here. We're sitting with Nathan Davis having a little tea. Exactly, and we, we just kind of wrapped up uh, our, our little tea ceremony here, uh, and I gotta say, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to anything that involves the word tea, or ceremony really, uh, but I was into that, that was, that was a lot of fun. Now you were telling us a little bit earlier about how uh, in, in the U.S., in Taiwan, there's a lot of people that uh, had not been exposed to this culture earlier that are kind of getting into it, uh, and uh, just based on what you were saying, it sounded like it was almost a way to kind of slow down, yeah, get more connected with the moment that you're in, get more connected so, with uh, a certain part of life that we don't normally think about. And it's kind of interesting to me, because in a way, what this is, I mean, the first thing that I see when I, when I, I look at this is almost like another consumer sort of thing. I mean, tea is a consumer good. It's a, a thing that you buy. You got to get this whole setup, then you got to get the tea. Uh, so how is this different from other stuff that we might think of when we're thinking of consumerism? Yeah, this uh, a really good question. I think a really good question. You got uh, another really good question. Geez, <laughs> Try we'll to always you. Great, really You'd almost think questions. we did it for a living. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a consumer product, but once you look at the leaves as something that you know, uh, take a certain skill to prepare, it lends itself to, to slowing down and thinking about it as, as something more than just a product that you're consuming. So, um, in that you, you know, the taking these certain vessels and, and the time that it takes to brew it, you can't just, you know, like grabbing a Starbucks coffee on the way, you know, where they, they push a button, you get the espresso and, you know, you walk out the door and it tastes good. You get there and it's, you know, a consistent flavor. You like it. It's good. Um, with tea, it's, it takes a little bit more work than that, um, mm. and it takes more equipment. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that espresso doesn't take a lot of work, because good espresso does take a lot of work, <laughs> but the infrastructure is there, mm-hmm. right? So that's I think it's kind of the same with tea. Like you have to go to where the teaware is. Like even me bringing this equipment today mm-hmm. took a little bit of work because it's not meant to travel. It's meant to stay in a place, yeah. right? And then you go there to drink it, you know. So it's not meant to package it up and take it with you. There's a certain amount of thoughtfulness that's involved that isn't necessarily there when you just hit a button and your coffee comes out. Yeah, exactly. And, and mindfulness, I would say, too, mm. which that, I would say, for a lot of the consumers that are getting into tea culture back home, it's that mindfulness. So one, on a you know, on a, on a, on a spiritual sense of getting into things like yoga and, and wanting to have an intentional lifestyle and mm. uh, slowing down and interacting with something like coffee and the, the process of it. Um, but also, I guess, as conscious consumers, like people back home want a lot more transparency. People want to know where they're, they're uh, you know, what, what they're drinking or what they're eating where mm. it comes from or what they're buying. You know, even mm-hmm. companies like Tom's Shoes, you know, having a very obvious business model of you buy a pair of shoes and we give a pair of shoes to somebody else. Yeah. People want to know where did this come from, you know. Right. And, and uh, that's a tricky question when, when your tea is coming from Asia because, um, 
you know, people were like, is it organic? And we were like, well... Hard to answer. It's yeah, a ways away. What does that mean in, 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 you know, the extended environment of Asia and China mm. and Taiwan? You know, is it organic? Let's uh, kind of end and wrap it up here. Um, just because I'm really kind of fascinated with this idea of, of tea drinking and the process and, and, and the mindset kind of getting you know, picked up and, and transplanted in, in America. And you said, uh, and you've alluded to the fact that this is sort of becoming a thing. What what do you envision for the future of this uh, or for tea? Is this uh, something that is going to be too uh, too involved with, with, as you say, not enough infrastructure? Is this going to be something that uh, people really um, uh, kind of uh, adopt the process? I think it kind of follows on Keith's question about consumerism because w- what is it that people are going to sink their teeth into about this that is going to, 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 to make it big in America, and, and how do you see that? So, yeah, I mean, I, I see it exploding right now in the West, and I you know I mentioned that Google even has a tea lounge, you know, and yeah. things like that. Um, and... Uh, there's a lot of co-working spaces too. A lot of spaces where people are, you know, they're still getting things done and they're still living their lives in the way that they have been, but they're they're taking time to to break things up, the monotony a little bit, and and have a little bit more process or ritual or mindfulness in their daily lives and become more conscious consumers and think about what they're putting into their body. So I think as that grows, like this this culture will continue to grow as well. And and people are, um, a lot of people are coming. Like just in the five months that I've been here. Um, I've connected with at least three or four people that I can think of off the top of my head just passing through that are coming to Taiwan for tea stuff. And, oh, really? And, yeah, and even like starting tea businesses. There was a guy named oh, Jeremy wow. that has a he was a he was a genetic uh, he was doing a PhD in genetics at Duke and left the program because he got into mindfulness and yoga and started a pop-up tea shop at a, at a farmer's market. Okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's You're a, stealing our best and brightest. There's a lot of that happening where people are... Yeah, right. Tea, like, lends itself to, also to creativity in a certain way. Like, I'm starting mm. to feel a little bit chadzoi now. You're getting, I'm getting the tea buzz a little bit. I can bit. feel that yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right, chadzoi. Yeah, chadzoi. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, well, let's, 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 let's end it there. Maybe you can give us a, a little uh, a rundown as to where people can get involved online. Are there some groups that... Uh, um, uh, are available online where people can get some more information. Maybe there's some folks that people could contact. Yeah. Your page is the Tea Syndicate. Yeah, the Tea Syndicate, and I, I left that really static for a while because I was trying to get away from being like the tea guy. I was like, I'm not just tea; it's about people and connection and and, and exchange, right. which is where the syndicate idea kind of came from. It's like teas kind of being exchanged in little baggies, like Bud. You know, we're like yeah. doing these back alley deals back home. <laughs> right. Hey, did you bring the product? And we're like, yeah, you know, right, 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 right. Our cars, <laughs> yeah, like, people think you're doing something, yeah, that's but you're not. Like, Larsa, you know, like scooping it out and being like, I don't know, is that a gram? Like, feels like a gram. <laughs> Nothing illicit going on here, by the way, uh, yeah, Taipei's yeah, yeah. authorities. And, uh, but you do, I've had to, you know, I like it. I kind of smuggle the tea out because, like, I, I don't know when I go through customs in los angeles and i have a, a five pound box of pu'er that's in this little crate and it's got little rusty hinges you know because it's been sitting there for 10 years i don't know what customs is going to think if they yeah yeah you, right let you right through. so it's yeah the tea, tea syndicate you can kind of see of some things that i've done and and kind of me going back and forth from china and and, and austin over the mm. years and so that's a wordpress page the tea syndicate on wordpress exactly yeah and then there's also a facebook page that people can go and, visit yeah and i would say that the the Facebook page is a goldmine at the moment. Nikki Evers from the Bay Area. And this is called Gong Fu Cha Facebook on Facebook? Yeah, just on Facebook. If you just look for Gong Fu Cha, um, you'll find it. And I think there's uh, – we just they just broke over 600 members, mm. um, which, you know, for that little small community felt like quite an accomplishment. And, um, and it's been – 
one of the main ways that I've continued to connect with people. So Nikki really started a great thing by creating this page, this community online where people who are interested in this culture can connect. And certainly in the Bay Area, there's been a strong tea culture for decades because mm-hmm. of the you know the Asian influence. But um, in places like Austin and other kind of more metropolitan cities in the States, it's it's really new. Like whenever I came to Taiwan 10 years ago and got into tea, like nobody in Austin knew what was yeah, going on. Yeah, right. Of course, and, it was a new thing. The other friend, Sohan, that I mentioned that's now has an import company, kind of just fell into importing because – over the years, he's been going back and forth. And I was taking Taiwanese teas back, but they're kind of pricier mm. than most chi- than a lot of Chinese teas. Mm. But he was just – friends were like, hey, bring us back some tea. And as he brought it back, um, he was just bringing more and more and just realized that he had a tea company <laughs> right. just because the demand is there. Okay. And uh, lastly then here, uh, very last thing, uh, anywhere uh, that, uh, say, expats living here in Taiwan or folks who want to get in- more involved in tea right here in Taiwan, is there anything that they can do here? Yeah, I would say one um, – even just using that Gong Fu Tea page as, okay. as a the Gong Fu Cha page as a way to just let people know you're in Taiwan. Okay. Um, but also um, the areas. So if you want to get to know Taiwanese, the Taiwanese tea scene, I would say go hang out on Yong Kong Street. Okay. And um, Dihua J also has some Dihua pretty cool stops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Nathan Davis, joining us here this morning with his uh, knowledge of. Uh, the tea uh, culture, I suppose. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say yeah, industry. Tea culture. Yeah, yeah. Tea, culture. tea culture. All right, we'll be back in uh, just a couple of moments with your theme for requests. This is De La Soul in the meantime on ICRT. <laughs> Once again, the place to go to learn more about Nathan's work is syndicatedtea.wordpress.com. Or, you know, just Google Tea Syndicate. Nathan, probably going to find it. This has been another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk in collaboration with The Morning Show. You can hear more of these extended interviews, just like the one you just heard, live on air each Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. And you can find dozens upon dozens upon dozens, really getting up there, more interviews on the Taiwan Talk podcast stream, bringing you conversations from and about Taiwan. That show broadcasts each Monday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. right after the news broadcast, or you can find it online at the ICRT website, on iTunes, and a lot of other places where uh, podcasts are purveyed. If you are listening to it online, please do take a second to rate and review through whichever purveyor you are using. It really does help get the word out about it, so we do really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening today. For Taiwan Talk and The Morning Show, I'm Keith Manconi. See you next time.